When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, a leadership development podcast told through the lens of Star Trek. And now here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. So excited to be bringing this episode to you today. It's one of my all-time favorites. We're going to talk a lot about job titles, org charts, and perceptions, and I offer some Pretty radical ideas on changing that all up. We're also going to have a really good time as we watch Season 5, Episode 6 of Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations. Two dudes just roll up into ops. Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? They're with the Department of Temporal Investigations. Kira greets them and takes them to Cisco. I guess you boys from Temporal Investigations are... Always on time. And a run of time travel jokes commence. This may take some time. Is that a joke? He explains that a few weeks ago, the Cardassians wanted to return the Orb of Time. When they picked it up, they also brought on a gentleman named Barry Waddle. Apparently, he's a merchant that was stranded on Cardassia. We go into flashback mode as he orders a Ractagino. That's Klingon coffee. You know, I think... I think Ractagino made its debut on DS9, and I always thought it was kind of overkill that everyone seems to want it all the time. It just doesn't seem that popular on other shows. I mean, only on this one. Eh, well, maybe Mr. Waddle is just a fan of Klingon finery. Or maybe it's just a life-changing coffee. But turns out, he's really not a fan of Klingons, I guess. He says they smell bad right as he walks past Worf on his way out. Bashir and O'Brien show they are great friends right away. I rather like the way you smell. Yeah, sort of earthy, peaty aroma with a touch of lilac. On their way back to DS9, while cloaked, there's a sudden surge of chroniton radiation, just really, really out of nowhere. They get noticed that someone has beamed off the ship, and then O'Brien clears all their instruments. What's sitting there, right in front of them? That's... The Enterprise. Yep, the NCC-1701 Constitution class. Turns out they're 200 light years from where they were and... 105 years, one month, 12 days ago. A Friday. In fact, they find themselves right at the beginning of the second season episode of the original series, The Trouble with Tribbles. I wonder if they can just go back and watch the episode like Riker did, you know, back in Encounter at Farpoint. 
That's an idea. They're orbiting deep space station K7. They learn Mr. Waddle is the one that beamed away. And they also learn his real name is Arn Darvin. And he's a Klingon. But he's been altered to look human. Guess that might explain his thing for Ractagino. Also explain some stuff that happens in Discovery that we we haven't gotten to yet on this podcast. War finds in security records that Arn's younger self was present on K7 at the time. This time they're in right now, and he was posing as a Federation official. He was found out by James Kirk and arrested. Worf, Odo, and Dax all assume that he's going to try and change the past, and they also believe he's going to try to kill Kirk. They don't know where he is, and they're assuming the worst. So Cisco decides they're going to split up between the Enterprise and K-7 and start looking. I suppose we ought to find a way to blend in. A super fun scene follows of the crew grabbing gear and getting into uniforms from the time period. This whole thing is so great. As somebody who grew up on the original series, this still sends real chills down my spine. They even they even do their hairstyles to match. O'Brien and Bashir look incredible. And in a move they'll pull a few more times in this episode, the show becomes eerily self-aware. It starts calling out some of the inconsistencies across Star Trek. Wait a minute, aren't you two wearing the wrong color? Worf does the classic, hey, I'm a Star Trek alien that needs to look inconspicuous. So he just, you know, wears a hat that, that covers his forehead. O'Brien figures out a way to take advantage of the old scanning tech used at the time, and they're able to beam over undetected. The humans head to Enterprise, while Worf and Odo beam to the station. Let's split up and search for this ape man who eats hamburgers. Cisco and Dax walk out of a turbo lift into a corridor on Enterprise. They, they are me at this moment, just literally bathing in nostalgia. They have a genuine look of awe as they, they do their best to just blend in. Bashir and O'Brien also beam into a turbo lift and, and they don't know how to use it. They're so great in this whole episode. Hilarious back and forth through the whole thing. But it's not, it's not cheesy funny. Like, like you can totally see people reacting like they do. So they, they don't know how to use the turbo lift because back then you had to grab this, this handle thing and then tell it where to go. They're used to just saying it. Take 21. Take 21. It's really, it's really like asking a teenager to use a rotary phone. It's a telephone. It is a telephone. You have to spin the dial. Yeah, you spin the dial. Yeah. All right. There are a lot of these really fun moments peppered, peppered throughout the whole episode. And speaking of fun, we meet up with fun himself, Odo. <laughs> He's camping out in a bar. Chekhov and Uhura head to the bar as the server comes up to him. He orders a rack to Gino. And she's only heard of that a little earlier when an older man ordered it. Hmm. Sounds like Darwin. Back over to Uhura as we're introduced to the plot device for the episode as she's introduced to a Tribble. Now, Tribbles show up a few times in Star Trek and we'll learn all about them when we land on the original series episode that this one is paying homage to. For now, what you need to know is that, well, they're, they're super cute and they breed uncontrollably well the nearest thing i can figure out is that they're born pregnant which seems to be quite a time saver the crew is trying to look like they're doing simple work around the enterprise as they scan for darvin 
Bashir helps avoid an awkward situation when O'Brien's working on somebody else's job. I'll leave it exactly where it is. The uh, job pressure's been getting to him. Why don't you uh, take over? Back in the bar with Odo, Worf comes in and we learn that they were once considered mortal enemies of the Klingon Empire. For more on this, check out the short trek, The Trouble with Edward. Oh no! Out of cereal? Troubles will never run out of cereal again. Troubles is the only cereal with self-replication, so the fun never stops. Klingons approach the station. The The IKS Groth. That's Kola's ship. Dax is familiar, and she also knows that they aren't a threat. She wants to go over to the station, but Cisco decides to send Bashir and O'Brien instead. This is a really, really smart move by Cisco. In this case, Dax has a clear conflict of interest that could jeopardize the mission. When we get to the command codes, we'll talk about what a conflict of interest means to you as a leader, both when it applies to and to a member of your team. O'Brien and Bashir walk into one of my favorite moments in all of Star Trek. They meet Lieutenant Watley. And she really, really wants Bashir to handle her physical tomorrow. And as expected with him, that sends him down a pretty disturbing rabbit hole. Watley. That was my great-grandmother's name. And I think she was in Starfleet. No one ever met my great-grandfather. This could be a predestination paradox. I could be destined to fall in love with that woman and become my own great grandfather you're being ridiculous ridiculous if i don't meet with her tomorrow i may never be born chief are you ready for transport are we ever absolutely everything about this scene is amazing this is what it looks like when you develop characters and and you build their relationships i love it they meet up with odo and Worf in the bar another great moment as they address the the elephant in the room or should i say the the klingon in the room. They are Klingons, and it is a long story. We do not discuss it with outsiders. See, back in the original series, they just slapped a little makeup on the people playing the Klingons, maybe fluffed up their eyebrows a little bit, and that was it. It's a far cry from the Klingons we're used to. There's a fun moment in the original episode where a Klingon is trying to pick a fight with Chekhov, and Scotty, Scotty's talking him down. That is until the Klingon insults the Enterprise. I didn't mean to say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. <laughs> Scotty throws a punch and it all breaks down. It is now time for the Royal Rumble! With all 30 competitors in the ring, chairs are getting thrown, tables busted, it's pandemonium until Enterprise security comes in and breaks it up. They're basically getting arrested. Odo sees Darwin sneaking away and goes on the chase. A beautiful scene that shows the technical wizardry that went into this episode sees Kirk interrogating the crew that were fighting on the station. O'Brien and Bashir are in the lineup and, and, and they're interacting with Kirk. It's, it's absolutely seamless. Everybody keeps their mouth shut and so they all get confined to quarters. On their way out, they see the growing menace of the Tribbles. They are littered all over the corridor. In the confusion, Worf and Odo were able to apprehend Darvin. They take him to the brig on the Defiant, 
where he shares that he left a bomb for Kirk. He put it in a Tribble, but he didn't say where that Tribble was. Now, there's a clock on. In an hour, it's going to go off. Dax has a plan to scan for it because it's, it's either on the Enterprise or K7, but they don't know yet. They're sure they can scan the ship pretty easily, but the station scanners, they just aren't sophisticated enough. So they're going to have to scan the Tribbles individually. And there are likely over a million of them at this point, and there's still breeding. Cisco completes a scan of the ship, and it's clean. We also, we also get a little history on Dr. McCoy. He had the hands of a surgeon. Turns out Dax's host, Emony, knew him. Um, yeah, knew him, knew him, knew him well. Odo, Bashir, and O'Brien are feverishly scanning. Dax recommends shadowing Kirk since he's the target. This takes them to the mess hall where they overhear Kirk, Spock, and Scotty. Their conversation leads them to the storage compartments on K7. They're storing grain and the Tribbles are gorging on it. Kirk, Kirk opens an overhead cargo bay on the station and the Tribbles just start raining down on him. Such, such an iconic moment in all of Star Trek. Cisco and Dax find the Tribble and beam it out into space just in time. The day is saved. And according to the temporal investigations guys, without any impacts to the timeline, Cisco takes a moment of indulgence. He stays on the bridge of the Enterprise just long enough to get a sign off on a report from Kirk. He tells him, It's been an honor serving with you, sir. All right, Lieutenant, carry on. Thank you, sir. In the meantime, Kira figures out the time orb and they head home. Temporal investigations leave Deep Space Nine and we're back to normal. Or are we? Odo calls him down to Quarks on the promenade, and he's covered in a brand new product, Tribbles. Yep, Tribbles have come to Deep Space Nine. Well, at least for the moment. This episode is basically perfect. Perfection. It's fun, it's lighthearted, it's nostalgic, but, but not aggressively so. I mean, it's just, it's just great. This was DS9's way of marking and celebrating Star Trek's 30th anniversary. Voyager was also on the air during this time, and they celebrated with their episode, Flashback. That one was a lot of fun, too, and focuses more on the movies that featured the original series cast. And speaking of movies, the film Forrest Gump had come out just a little while before this episode. They really brought this technology to prime time. The, the ability to put modern actors in classic footage. And the DS9 crew used it brilliantly. There are a lot of lists out there that call the original series episode that this is based on, the, the Trouble with Tribbles, they call it the best episode of Star Trek, period. Now, now, I don't agree with that necessarily, but it was, it really was a super fun episode. But I actually prefer this take on it. The seamless melding of two great casts with a time travel story that's just for fun gets no better than that. They have a lot of fun with the inconsistencies in the franchise too, like the uniforms, the Klingons. The show, the show Enterprise will actually explain why the OG Klingons look different than the movie 90s Trek Klingons. But up until this moment, it was just a thing that was that was never mentioned. It was really it was really the Voldemort of Star Trek. We do not speak his name. Voldemort. 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 There's endless amounts of trivia and notes about this episode out there. 
But I think my favorite nugget is that the writer of the Trouble with Tribbles episode, David Gerald, he's he's in the episode. He's a crewman in the background of the episode. And at one point they have him petting a Tribble. I can't recommend this one enough. I'm so, I'm so glad it came up. Absolutely any excuse to watch this episode is a good excuse. Command codes verified. Even with all the fun going on, Cisco demonstrated some strong leadership qualities. Like many of them in Star Trek, they were they were brief moments. Like one was just one line, actually. But there's no denying the wisdom in them. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. When they're suiting up in the 23rd century gear, Bashir comments on the rank on Cisco's uniform. Captain. Well, Lieutenant, actually, I didn't want to push my luck. Looks good on you, sir. This highlights one of the toughest contradictions of leadership that I often struggle to wrap my mind around. Titles don't matter, but, but titles do matter, actually. Now, have I lost you already? I've, I've said it before on this podcast in countless times and conversations, but job titles, especially for leadership roles, just they just really don't matter. They don't. In fact, one of my clients a few years ago went to a conference and they listed their job title as employee. <laughs> I love that. Now, their actual job title was chief technology officer but they really just saw themselves as an employee with a specific set of job duties. I've recently become very interested in the concept of a flat org chart where no one reports to anyone and everyone just, just has their job duties. They hold each other accountable to the goals and the mission of the organization period, like no hierarchy at all. And in that paradigm, titles only matter to help define and differentiate your duties. But in the traditional one person at the top, many people at the bottom org chart titles, titles kind of matter, but, but not in the way they actually should. Let me explain. My client, the CTO looks at her title as a description of her duties, but you know, if she sends an email or is in a meeting or drops into the workplace, people are going to react. Hello, Peter. What's happening? In fact, most everyone here works in an organization or has worked in an organization with an IT department, right? Well, well, we're going to do a little exercise here. If you're driving, I recommend saving this part till later. We're going to do a little visualization. Imagine a day in the office. And depending on the state of the world when you're listening to this, <laughs> that, that might be harder to imagine than it used to be. But, but anyway, picture yourself in the office. Working away. Your staff are working away. Hear the buzz of the office, the sounds of work. Put yourself in that moment. Now, imagine one of your desktop support techs comes into the workspace. They're going to fix some issue on somebody's computer. What changed in the environment when they walked in? Did people stop working to see what was going on? Did it, did it maybe get a little quieter or, or was everything still pretty much the same? Okay. Now clear your head, cleanse that palate, go back to your office before the tech walked in. You're surrounded by the buzz of productivity. Beautiful. Then the CTO walks in. Okay. Now what's changed in the environment? That, that change. 
That's how titles matter. Who knows? Maybe the CTO is helping cover shifts because they're super backed up at the service desk. It doesn't matter though. People are wired to react to the title. I struggle with this. I have a pretty decent title, one that people, including myself, have, have worked a long time for, but I honestly just see myself having a job. I'm no better. I'm no more important than anyone that I work with. But when, but when I reach out to someone, it's different. They know I have that title. And, and sometimes, sometimes they treat me like the title and not like Jeff. To quote a colleague of mine, CEOs are humans too. You can follow this great colleague uh, on uh, Instagram at business plan expert. That's expert with an X instead of, instead of the E. But I mean, I get it. Society and the workplace have conditioned us to do this, but, but I really want to be a part of changing that, of helping people recognize that we all just have job duties and our titles are just meant to define and differentiate those duties. A title does not make us any more or less important than anyone else. Cisco, dressed as a lieutenant, is just effective a leader as he is with captain's pips. And he's just as effective with those as he was with commander's pips too. A leader is a leader. Let the fruits of your leadership define you professionally, not your job title. Okay, shifting to later in the episode. When the Klingon cruiser first arrives, Dax wants to head to the station and Sisko cuts her off. She's excited that she might see Koloth. Sisko recognizes the countless ways this could go south. He recognizes the conflict of interest Dax has here. Conflict of interest. If you work in HR, you are very familiar with this term. If you're a manager, you've probably at least seen it on some forms that HR has sent you. Regardless of your familiarity with the term, it's something that you should always be aware of and be on the lookout for. A conflict of interest exists when there's the potential for clash between personal and professional interests. This can be a situation where someone could gain personally from a professional decision. It could be using a position to grant favors or benefits to friends, family, or others. Merriam-Webster defines it as a conflict between the private interests and the official responsibilities of a person in a position of trust. In the situation with Dax, her conflict arises because of her personal relationship with Koloth. If they were to run into each other and he recognized her, it could, at best, jeopardize the mission and, at worst, shatter the timeline and cause massive destruction at a quantum level, you know, or somewhere in between. You run into situations like this too. Maybe maybe one of your staff gets a loan application from their sister, or your old college buddy is the procurement officer at a big company you're trying to sell into. Or maybe you have a family member applying for a job that reports to you. I mean, the examples are endless, but here's why they matter to you and why I'm bringing them up. When there's a conflict of interest and you don't do something about it, bad things can happen. That's simple. Cisco giving the assignment to Bashir and O'Brien wasn't wasn't a reflection on Dax at all. I mean, it was just it was just good business. The way to manage these conflicts is to create an environment where people are comfortable to bring them to you, and you're smart enough to do something about them. If they didn't have a trusting relationship, Dax could have been offended. 
But she knows that Cisco has the mission at the front of his mind, and he's not going to put that at risk. He's helping her, and she knows it. She might not like it, but she understands it. So talk with your teams, and, and don't judge what they bring to you. Stay focused on your mission. Be sure that your staff know you are. When you do that, and you make a decision based on a shared conflict of interest, everyone wins. And this goes for you as well. If a conflict comes up, tell your boss. Tell HR. So, no, I wouldn't say I have a passion for HR. I suppose I should be responsible here and say to follow your company's policy on this. But every policy basically says to tell someone. And then, when you get pulled off an assignment or have a task reassigned because of the conflict of interest you declared, be cool with it. No one is trying to slight you or take anything away from you. They're protecting you and helping ensure a successful mission. At the end of this episode, the temporal investigators tell Cisco it's all good. No harm, no foul. Basically, the most perfect possible outcome of the entirely unexpected situation they found themselves in. Had Cisco let Dax run into Koloff, well, this wouldn't have just been a fun episode. This may have been the end of the Star Trek universe as we know it. I really am interested in this concept of a flat org chart. Have any of you experienced this? Share what you know with all of us. We have a great Facebook group. Join today and tell us your thoughts on the concept. There's, there's a link in the show notes. I might even share some of that discussion on a future episode. And share some of your stories about trials and tribulations. Did you see it when it came out? Do you think it still holds up? Is, is it one of your favorites too? Let me know. I'm on Twitter at SFLA podcast, and you can follow me on all the social media. I'm at Jeff T. Aiken. Jeff T. as in tribulations, A-K-I-N. A computer, what are we going to be watching next time? Working. Season 2, Episode 12 of Enterprise. Hey, this is our first Enterprise episode in quite a while. The Catwalk. We've had some ups and a lot of downs with Archer's leadership so far. In this one, he further develops his relationship with T'Pol. I can't wait to jump into this one with all of you. But until then, ex astra scientia. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.